Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the program. My name is Darren Pritchett, Sportsbeat coming to you live on 960 AM WSBT. Live streams are available right now at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. We also have a video feed on the Twitch app. Eight minutes after five o'clock on this gorgeous Wednesday, April the 12th of 2020. And 23. Sports Beat will air from now until 6:40. At 6:40, we break away for more South Bend Cubs baseball. Game number two of the home slate for South Bend. They will take on the Sky Carp of Beloit. Beloit spoiled the home opener last night for South Bend, winning 8-6 in 10 innings. Cole Franklin who is someone the Cubs are very high on, will take the mound for South Bend tonight. He has dealt with injuries the last couple of years. He was supposed to be the opening day starter for South Bend in April of 2020, but that little COVID thing happened, and the minor league baseball season was canceled. And so, just like everybody that was in minor league baseball at that time, it just feels like you're a year behind losing that year of Head-to-head competition, but hopefully Cole pitches well for a couple of starts here in South Bend and then gets moved up to A Tennessee to continue his progress up the Chicago Cubs system. So Max and Brendan will have the play-by-play coming up tonight, starting with the pregame at 645 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I want to do something really quick that I'm a little tardy on. 
we had a sports beat Twitter contest late in the week involving the Masters, who was going to be the leader after the second round. And we had a bunch of people that picked Brooks Kepka, which was the correct answer for the winner of the second round. So I need to draw right now for the winner of a $50 gift card to Wings, etc. All right. And we have chosen the name of Bowler Jeff. So, Jeff, congratulations. We have selected your name for that $50 gift card to Wings, etc. I'll be in contact with you so I can send that off to you. So, thanks to everyone who participated in our contest. And we'll have another contest ready to go tomorrow. So, you'll have a chance to win a $50 gift card from our good friends at Wings, etc. Hey, speaking of baseball, since we started talking about the South Bend Cubs, in 2015, the Chicago Cubs in June, their first-round selection, I believe it was number nine overall, they took a second baseman slash outfielder from the University of Cincinnati, Ian Happ. Happ quickly made it to the majors, and Happ, I guess... We had this conversation on the program last night with the South Bend Cub broadcasters, Max and Brendan. I asked them, best guess, what is the opening day outfield for the Cubs in 2014? They have a lot of young, exciting outfielders that if they progress this year, could be factors late this year or maybe next year. Pete Crow Armstrong, who was a part of the South Bend Cubs last year, Brendan Davis, is another example. You still have, say, hey, Suzuki, the Japanese player who has been banged up to start the year, but they gave him a lot of money to be their right fielder. So there's a lot of options. And when I asked Brendan and Max their opinion, I took Ian Happ off the table. Thinking that he was going to be dealt at the deadline, I didn't think that was someone the Cubs would invest in as part of their core foundation going forward. So I took him off the table and had the guys pick their outfield. Well, what do you know? Less than 24 hours later, we find out that the Chicago Cubs do, in fact, want Ian Happ to continue to be a part of the ascension of this franchise from tanking last year to now trying to win this year, adding some really exciting parts and some other young parts could be on the way very, very soon. Happ today came to an agreement with the Chicago Cubs on a three-year deal where 61 million dollars so that averages out to around 20 million dollars per season for Ian Happ who was an all-star last year you look at Happ he made a big jump forward he successfully hit from both sides of the plate last year for Chicago Happ hit 271 for the Cubs last year a nice on base percentage of 342 his OPS is 782 so far this year He's hitting 282 with a 429 on base and an 891 OPS, a homer, and six RBI for half this season. So what do you know? Ian Happ is going to be a part of this Cub franchise the next three years. This contract begins next year, 2024, and runs through the 2026 season. So what do you know? We had a story about, hey, the Cubs will be moving on from Ian Happ. They'll probably trade him at the deadline if they're out of contention. And what do you know? He is here for the next three years at the very least. So Ian Happ was born in 1994 in August. So he will turn, what, 29 years old in August. So that extension 
will cover his 30, 31, and 32 season. So Ian Happ, long-term part of the Chicago Cubs organization. He has inked that three-year, $61 million extension. All right, our hat trick of opening topics are ready to go. So let's get started. We'll talk some football and more here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, will join me coming up at the top of next hour. One of the things I want to ask him about is the Irish run game. Jabran Payne getting some extra activity the last couple of weeks with Logan Diggs down with a lower body injury. Audric Estime, Jabran Payne getting a lot of action in spring practice for the Fighting Irish. The Notre Dame run game got better as the season went on. Offensive line really came together. You had a three-headed monster at running back with Estime, Diggs, and Chris Tyree. Chris Tyree still playing wide receiver right now this spring. And Diggs getting healthier. He and Estime, I think it's fair to say we can call them 1A and 1B atop the depth chart. Not sure who the starter is. Probably doesn't matter. Both are going to get their fair share of opportunities. Dylan McCullough, one thing about Coach McCullough, he does not mind going deep into his running back rotation. He is the type of person that really likes the opportunity to get multiple guys out there in game situations. So here is Coach McCullough recently discussing if he liked what the Irish did last year, and that was running back by committee. No, I'm, uh, my, my career is so that I'm going to go with a bunch of guys. You know, yeah, it's going to be a guy who, at the end of the day, somebody will have the most yards, somebody will have the most carries. But I look at it as just the long-term diminishing returns to me, especially when I'm in a situation like Notre Dame where I got a bunch of good players. You know what I'm saying? I want to play them guys. And so I told the guys last year, I said, have three guys who had the advantage of having RB1-type touches, but one-third of the beating on their body. You know I'm saying? And guys, especially for some of these guys trying to go, there's benefit to that. Now, again, what we're trying to do here comes first, and we want to win games. But at the end of the day, man, you look at the guys I got, it's hard to say one guy's going to play and other guys ain't going to play. That's, that's, that's some hard decisions. So I'm going to play all of them. Well, I know it's very easy to say, and rightfully so, Audric Estime and Logan Diggs are going to be your players that are going to get a lot of key touches in games, but don't be surprised based on those comments. Once Jadarian Price is at 100% coming back from Achilles surgery, if he's not a factor, and hey, I mentioned Jabran Payne has had a lot of opportunities with the pigskin in his arm this spring, a chance to impress the coaches even further so don't be surprised even if Chris Tyree sticks at wide receiver you've got three running backs in big games getting major opportunities with the football Audric Estime last year 156 carries 920 yards 11 rushing touchdowns to lead the Irish caught the football nine times for 139 yards and a touchdown. Estime, 5'11", 227 last year. Not sure what his weight is actually this year, but he looks trimmer, looks more nimble, a little more wiggle to him, which 
is very exciting to think about. He has not lost his power. That's still in his game. But with a little more wiggle and quickness, boy, oh boy, what could be in front of Estime this season? Here is Coach McCullough talking about his star pupil, number seven, Audric Estime, and the changes to his body. Yeah, so a big thing with Audric was we just talked about um, really body fat, lean, you know, just leaning out. And it wasn't necessarily losing weight with the guys. Because well, last I heard it was like 7 or 8% body fat. So you can see those things out there. Another big thing, Audrey comes in and we meet and we talk every week about just things he wants to improve on. He's really made some big things. He's more twitchy than he was last year. And his route running ability is, I mean, he's killing it now as far as detailing his routes and just being more precise as far as stair-stepping, stacking guys, bursting away. There's a lot of things he's doing that really look good as far as outside of just the things you see when he's running the ball, you know, like powering different things. Dylan McCullough on the new look, Audric Estime. Well, Chris Tyree has been a story this spring, getting an opportunity to play wide receiver, 24 catches each of the last two years, coming out of the backfield, but a chance to hang out with the wide receiver group this year. And even with Diggs on the sideline with a lower body injury, Tyree stuck at wide receiver. Here's his former position coach, and who knows? Could be his position coach again if Tyree goes back. Coach McCull on Tyree at wide receiver. So the beautiful part is nothing's changed at running back as far as terminology, etc. You know, but the way it was presented to um, Chris months ago, I know I had a conversation with him about the opportunity to be able to help the team and help himself at the same time. And I think he's starting to see the benefits of that as a guy out wide. That speed is a premium. His ability, his knowledge of the game, and his ability to be a big playmaker can help us even more on the perimeter. So just excited that he's having success there. Um, probably doing better than what I thought he was going to do there. I mean, I was like, I knew the guy was good, but man, he's been out there killing. That's a testament to Coach Stuckey and to, um, to Chris with the way he's handling that challenge. There you go, Dylan McCullough talking about his running back room and also the old running back, and that is Chris Tyree hanging out at wide receiver. Hat trick of opening topics number two. We move to Major League Baseball and what a night at Wrigley Field last night. Maybe it was for one night, maybe it is a sign of things to come, but that old magic from a few years ago seemed to be back at the friendly confines last night as the Cubs found themselves in a seven nothing hole coming to the plate in the bottom of the second inning against the Seattle Mariners. Definitely a team that should make the playoffs this year in the junior circuit and a contender to bring home the American League pennant. They're excited up in Seattle for the team they have. A lot of that has to do with their young stud outfielder, Julio Rodriguez. But it was all Seattle last night against Hayden Wesneski. They were up 7-0 going to the bottom of the second with the Cubs started pecking away and before you knew it the cubs had totally turned the game around the score marquee sports network audio courtesy of them as the cubs put together one of those comebacks that you might have remembered when those really good cub teams from six seven years ago could pull off some magical comebacks it's back and it's gone first home 
field. Welcome to Wrigley. Here is Nelson Velasquez. This crowd is ready to just cut loose if he gets a hold of one. Infield stays back. Bases loaded. Fans are standing. It's the third inning. And the pitch. A swing and a drive. Left center field. It's got a chance. Grand slam. Nelson Velasquez grand slam. First of his career. Mark it into calendar. This is going to be one of them nights, folks. Comes down seven to nothing after two. Guess what? Cubs leading in the third. So here's Swanson, who's three for three with an RBI. Ready to attack. Line drive, base hit. Dansby Swanson is the second Cub in the last 15 years to have four hits, five innings of a game. They got to do it. Chris Bryant at Pittsburgh, July 4th, 2019. Rucker, Alzali, Leiter, and now Merriweather. On the ground, softly hit, Wisdom. And a great stretch at first, Mancini, ball game. Cubs win, and what a win it is. No doubt about that, Cubbies come from seven down and ended up beating Seattle 14-9 last night at the friendly confines. Nelson Velasquez, part of the South Bend Cubs 2019 championship team, Hit the Grand Slam to put the Cubs in front. Nelson, when he arrived in South Bend the year before, he was either 18 or 19. I can't remember exactly what age, but he was striking out over 50% of the time. Was here for a few weeks, went back down to a lower level, and when he came back, looked like a totally different hitter. And when he returned, you saw why the Cubs had high expectations for Nelson Velasquez, he did not hit as many home runs as you would think. With South Bend, the power was still developing. Since leaving South Bend, I think the power in that bat has increased significantly. He showed it even at the major league level, including last night with that grand slam. I got to admit, now, I don't have a dog in the fight here. Not a Cub fan, but I was disappointed today. When I saw the lineup come out that David Ross put together, the Cub manager, and Velasquez was not in it. Instead, he decided to go with Miles Mastroboni out in right field. Now, I remember Miles in the minors, 27 years old, very limited success and a very limited amount of opportunities at the major league level. But... I'm a little baffled why Velasquez would not get the action over Mastroboni. Based on the possibilities even of their future, I go with Velasquez. Now, Nelson could get passed by with some of these young outfielders. The Cubs are developing. Pete Crow Armstrong, Brennan Davis, just to name a couple. And Ian Happ's going to be sticking around. Say, hey, Suzuki is going to be sticking around. So who knows what is in the future for Velasquez. But I just have a hard time after that swing last night facing a really good guy in Logan Gilbert today from Seattle that Master Boney would get the call over Velasquez. I'm personally a little disappointed. Chris Morrell started at AAA Iowa. I think he can help this team at many positions. At Wrigley Field, but I think they're wanting him to play every day. Sounds like he might be playing a little bit of second base right now at Iowa. 
after Dansby Swanson went down with an injury last night, did not play today. Nico Horner got the start at shortstop. Madrigal at second. I mean, I'd take Morell over Madrigal 15 days a week. Not even close to me. So hopefully Morell gets called back up and he can help this Cub team that's off to a good start. Now they lost today to Seattle 5-2. But I think the expectation level of you, the Cub fans, are probably higher than they've been in a couple of years as the Cubs continue this ascend from whatever they were trying to do the last couple of years. So what a comeback last night. Couldn't get it done today, but the Cubs definitely heading in a good direction. All right, and our final topic for tonight, worth a mention here, as the Fighting Irish women's basketball team is going to make some history coming up next year. Next year as in next season. November 6th is the start of the college basketball season, and the Fighting Irish women's basketball team is going to begin their season playing in Paris, France, against, no doubt, the last two years, Probably the elite team in college basketball, even though they didn't win the title this year, losing in the Final Four to Iowa, the South Carolina Gamecocks. It'll be the Irish and South Carolina November 6th from Paris, France. So an an unbelievable opportunity for the Irish student-athletes to go overseas and play in Paris, and it's a great opportunity to grow women's college basketball by taking it to Europe and an awfully good matchup right off the bat. No cupcakes in the opener for these two teams, South Carolina and Notre Dame scoring off. South Carolina lost a good chunk of their starting lineup that lost one game the last couple of years. Well, they've got an unbelievable recruiting class coming in, but who knows in game one, the Irish are going to be the veteran team in that matchup with South Carolina. So mark it on your calendars. I don't know any French, but November 6th from Paris, the Irish women's basketball team taking on South Carolina. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight, 528 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. After a quick timeout, I want to come back and keep the Notre Dame football conversation going. You'll hear from Irish defensive line coach Al Washington. He met the media earlier today in one of his Pupils he's trying to continue to grow is Jordan Patello. He could be a key part of that defensive line of comment from him as well. As we keep the Notre Dame football talk going on Budweiser's weekday sports beat, and we will have the blue goal game for you live. I'll have the play-by-play on Saturday, April the 22nd. We'll have a pregame at 1.30, and the game will get started at 2 o'clock right here on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. If you're we're gonna win. Don't wanna be a loser, gonna win. The man in the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles on the post route. Gives to Estime, leaps into the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Ball caught, touchdown! What a catch by Jaden Thomas! Hands off the dig, there he goes! 20, 15, 10, touchdown Notre Dame! Notre Dame football coverage continues now from Sports Radio 960 AM WSPT. Here come the Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
It is 26 minutes ahead of 6 o'clock. Welcome back to Sportsbeat on 960 AM WSBT. We're going to talk Notre Dame spring football with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka coming up. In about 30 minutes, he watched a complete Notre Dame football practice today, so we will pick his brain coming up at the top of the hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, let's keep the conversation rolling in regards to Notre Dame football. We'll take a look at the Irish defensive line since the defensive line and their position coach, Al Washington, met the media earlier today. I think no matter what organization you read, listen to, follow that covers Notre Dame athletics, one of the parts of the team that has huge question marks in everybody's opinion is the Fighting Irish defensive line. Hey, you lose Isaiah Foskey, that's a very difficult guy to replace. Now, Notre Dame almost... Filled that spot with a heck of a talent in Keon Keeley, arguably the best edge rusher in high school football last year. But after committing to the Irish, he decommitted and ended up at Alabama. So in terms of expectations, this group might be, excuse me, there might be more fans excited about this bunch if Keeley was involved now. Who knows, it might have taken him some time to develop, but Based on his high school film, I don't think that was going to be the case. So the all-time leading sack leader in Notre Dame history is getting ready for the NFL draft where he's likely going to be a second-round pick. Where are those sacks going to come from? Probably it's going to be a group of individuals chipping in together to help to get the job done. The old Viper end spot might be in the possession of Jordan Patello, the 6'3", 255-pound senior. Seems like he's been around this program for a good amount of time. Fourth year at Notre Dame, 33 career tackles in 25 games, six and a half career sacks. Last year, a little more active on defense. 13 games, nine solos, two assists, six and a half tackles for loss, and recorded four and a half sacks in 2022. Jordan Batello met the media earlier today and his thoughts on his progress that he's making this spring as he tries to become a key member of the Fighting Irish defensive line. I feel like I'm doing a better job at playing under control and I feel that the coaches are seeing that. I feel like I gained a little bit of weight so it's a little easier for me to go against the tackles and just Coach, coach Walsh is a great coach. Uh, we've been learning about technique, and I feel like my technique has really improved. I feel like there's a lot of room uh, for improvement on my pass rush. I really just want to just learn a whole bunch of moves, counters, and just be an uh, elite pass rusher one day. That's Jordan Botello. You think about the Viper end spot. Who might be some of the guys that could be trying to gain some playing time? Behind a guy like Botello, you know, it, it's kind of hard to say at this point. Joshua Burnham, Jr., Tuahalamaka are possibilities. Those are younger bodies. You've got some freshmen that the Irish will try to build up. But it will be interesting to see, A, the production that the Irish get out of the starting Viper end and how much confidence will they have in the number two. Got to have a really good 
set of backup defensive linemen. You want to rotate them in to keep the starters fresh. That has not been a problem for the Irish for several years. You think about the job Mike Elston did before departing for Michigan, and now the Irish trying to rebuild some depth along the defensive line. The defensive tackle spot, Riley Mills, who spent a little time at end, looks like he's settled back inside for the Fighting Irish. 6'5", 296, a senior. Sounds like he's had a really good spring for the Irish. That is very important as the Irish try to replace the Adamiolas on defense this year. Riley Mills, you think about some of the guys behind him, Tyson Ford, the European player, already a senior. That is Alexander Ahrensberger. He has been moved inside by the Fighting Irish coaching staff. And we'll keep an eye on this guy. You can never count out a Heinish, Donovan Heinish, 6'2", 280 pounds. At nose guard, Howard Cross, you know, he is 6'1", 280. You might consider him a tad bit undersized, but good quickness. And the grad student back for another go, backed up by maybe Gabe Rubio, Jason Onye. Those are guys that are competing for the starting job. And the field end spot, you've got Javante Jean-Baptiste, who came over from Ohio State. Nana Osafa Mensa, the most experienced of the field end players, in, at least in their time at Notre Dame. Aiden Gobera, maybe someone to watch out as well. But we've had so many familiar names the last couple of years being a part of this line, the Adamiolas and, and the Foskies. Now it's a different-looking fighting Irish defensive line. Guys who have had limited opportunities now with bigger roles. That's why they're questions, and they can answer all those questions very quickly in September. And then we'll put to bed, I guess, all the thoughts that this could be a weakness on this fighting Irish football team. Here is defensive line coach Al Washington on his defensive line room. Yeah, I think it uh, starts with the leadership, man. A lot of the guys that are coming back, they took it upon themselves to, to – uh, to, to build it in stages, you know, kind of taking a month at a time. So um, they spend a lot of time together. Um, they invest um, in, in the process of, of, you know, executing whatever we need to execute in terms of game plan and also fundamental development. You know, they are active participants in it. Um, and as, as their coach, it's awesome to be a part of something like that. So, again, it's just a mentality of um, taking things uh, one at a time sticking to the process, doing your best in that moment. So, Coach Washington also had some thoughts on the potential of his defensive lineman in 2023. Yeah, I think uh, we got a ton of potential. we got a, a lot of uh, spots. We have a lot of guys returning that played a lot of ball last year. Um, but we also have some guys that uh, have really uh, made big strides and that you may not know their name very well yet, but they have a chance to, to really make a great name for themselves this year. So really excited about where this group is and, um, and how we've embraced this process and offseason of uh, not saying nothing, just letting our work do the talking. And, and, and really it's about building uh, the momentum uh, to hit the peak at the right time, and that's our focus. That's our mentality. Well, there shouldn't be any talking because these guys have a lot to show us here in 2000. And 23. Love Riley Mills, Howard Cross. Let's see what everybody else can contribute. Baptiste apparently is going to be a nice addition coming from Ohio State. He has showed up a lot during spring practices, but they've got to show it when the lights are bright later on this year. And for Coach Washington, what are some of the keys for this group to get better quickly? You got to stay focused. You can't get too far in front of head. Like, so you got to take it one day at a time. 
and you have to put objectives uh, that are attainable every day. You got to get those objectives. And a lot of it's process, you know. So sometimes results will lie in the moment, but where you're headed uh, is more important, if that makes sense. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's really deliberate, but, um, you know, that's how you do it. You know, those things happen on their own. When you follow the process, and this is, you know, this is a little bit personal philosophy, when you stick to the process, all right, things, you know, you know, things evolve as they should, you know, and that's our mentality. You can only control what you can, and, but we got a lot more control than we think, and so that's our mentality as we go forward. All right, there is Al Washington, the Fighting Irish defensive line coach, and he has a big, big couple of months coming up as he tries to restock the Fighting Irish defensive line recruiting at that spot is going to be extra huge in this particular cycle. 543 Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio. More Irish Spring football talk with Tyler Horka coming up at the top of the hour. 543, our Twitter question of the day is coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You've seen the C. Listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Our program is brought to you by our longtime title sponsor, Budweiser, the King of Beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Bethel University. Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solidground for details. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Last night's program from Four Winds Field in downtown. South Bend, the South Bend Cubs home opener. We had a baseball-themed question for you last night and another one today. Last night's Twitter question of the day, which you voted on at my Twitter account, 960SportsBeat. If the price of tickets, parking, and concessions were the same, which would you rather do? Make the drive over to Chicago to watch the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field or make the short drive to downtown South Bend to Four Winds Field to watch the South Bend Cubs. Actually, I'm a little surprised by the results. 84.9% says, you know what? We don't mind that drive over to Chicago. 84.9% would rather go to Wrigley Field to watch the Chicago Cubs. 15.1% chose heading to Four Winds Field to watch the South Bend Cubs. I'll tell you what, on the ticket market today, the secondary ticket market, now there are some ballparks, it's going to be much more expensive. When the Cubs are good, the price of secondary tickets are not going to be (laughs) very cheap. Same for Fenway Park, for example. But if you look around... 
and you take the time to do a little investigating, you can go to Major League Games for the same price, if not less, than Minor League Games. I know in August of last year, my son and I went to Bush Stadium for the Cubs and the Cardinals. They actually ended up playing a doubleheader that day. We went to both games. And on the secondary market, the ticket prices were the same as a minor league game. Again, you just have to do a little searching and find them. But we sat in the first row of the second deck, and it was a great view of the ballpark. So it is interesting. You would think Major League ticket prices would be off the chart, and yes, some are. But if you really do some digging, you can find some pretty good values out there. All right, so we thank you for voting on yesterday's question. Here is today's question. Again, since we were out of the ballpark last night, let's follow that visit up with this question. Which former Chicago Cub do you wish was still on the team? Which former Chicago Cub do you wish was still on the team? Your four choices. Again, on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Let's start with first baseman Anthony Rizzo, now a New York Yankee. And you also get his cute puppy Kevin as well in the deal. Second choice, the often injured Mr. Boring himself, Chris Bryant. Now an outfielder for the Colorado Rockies. In his second year with Colorado, injured most of last year. He has not hit a home run at Coors Field in his career. That's incredible. Third choice, the bopper from Bloomington. Left-handed hitting Kyle Schwarber. Now hitting bombs for the Philadelphia Phillies. And your fourth choice, the catcher. Wilson Contreras, now the backstop for the St. Louis Cardinals. So which of these former Chicago Cubs do you wish was still on the team? I thought it was okay not to put Javier Baez on the list because he is not a good player anymore. He is below average, and the Tigers are paying him high value. Good luck with that. Rizzo, Bryant, Schwarber, Contreras, which one do you wish was still on the Cubs? I would love your vote. Leave a comment on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. It is 5.53 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We've got a sports update coming up here in just a couple of moments. And also, don't forget, we'll kick off the 6 o'clock hour by talking Notre Dame football spring practice with Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. That's all coming up before we turn off the microphone at 640 for South Bend Cubs baseball on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And don't forget, we're streaming live at wsbtradio.com and the WSBT radio app. Seven minutes after six o'clock, Sports Beat 
continues on this Wednesday evening, hour number two. The program ends at 6.40 tonight due to South Bend Cubs baseball. Well, the Fighting Irish back on the practice field today. Spring practice starting to wind down. We are 10 days away from the Blue Gold game, which you can hear live here on WSBT Radio, Saturday, April the 22nd at 2 o'clock. The Irish media had the chance to watch a full practice today. Nice enough of Marcus Freeman to open up the gates for a full practice today. And we've got Tyler Horker ready to talk some fighting Irish football. He is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read all about it at blueandgold.com. Well, Tyler, let me just start with this. I don't know what you were anticipating today going into practice, but what caught your attention after getting the chance to watch a full practice today? Yeah, definitely cool of Marcus Freeman. We'll start right there because the spokesperson from Notre Dame kind of came up to us on the sideline when we were all anticipating getting out of there because we thought that our viewing session had ended and the spokesperson came by and said, hey, it's coach that is going to let you watch the rest of this. So that was really awesome. And I know that there's some people out there covering sports or uh, spring practices across the country who hardly get to watch anything. And we've watched two full practices now which is really cool. But for me, it's got to be the quarterback competition, which I didn't really think was going to be much of one. And I've come on your program before and said, yeah, Notre Dame is labeling these things as a quarterback competition, but it's not really much of one. That happened two years ago, I would say, with Jack Cohn and Drew Pine. And then it happened last year again with Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine. Uh, Pine was supposed to lose both of those, and he decidedly did by mid-August. I would not be surprised if this thing maybe drags a little longer and we go into that first week of the season, you know, late August, coming up on August 26th when Notre Dame is scheduled to play Navy, and this sort of still be a conversation because, like I said, we've watched two practices now in their entirety from wire to wire. That's four hours worth of Notre Dame football. And I think Tyler Buckner looked like the better quarterback in both of those practices, better than the Wake Forest transfer, Sam Hartman. Now, is that going to be the case on August 1st when fall camp starts up and you're within a month of a game and now you've had a guy in Sam Hartman who's played five years of college football who's been on Notre Dame's campus for, at that point, you know, really over half a year. I mean, he got here in early January. Right now it's only been three months, and it very much looks like he is a guy who is learning wide receivers and learning a new offense and just trying to get acclimated because we talked on this program about how I watched all 12 of Sam Hartman's games from last season at Wake Forest, and I wrote about every single one of those at blueandgold.com. And for the most part, outside of when the Wake Forest offensive line let him down a little bit, he looked fantastic. I mean, this is a guy who threw almost 40 touchdown passes and – uh, about an interception per, per game, but that was because he is so aggressive in getting the ball downfield. We have not seen that aggression, and we have not seen that accuracy from Sam Hartman this spring. And again, you have to go a little deeper to find out why that has been the case, but I am very confident sitting here talking to you today on mm. April 12th and saying Tyler Buckner has been the better quarterback this spring for whatever reason. I did not imagine we were going to be having this conversation. I appreciate your honesty and boldness. I think it's a terrific conversation. So let me ask 
this follow-up question. You kind of laid out Hartman and what's been going on there. Have you seen a significant jump in play from Tyler Buckner? This isn't just Hartman playing down to the Buckner we saw late last year where there were some great moments in the bowl game and then there were some really shaky moments. Is this Buckner really rising the level of his game up to Hartman? Uh, For all the Notre Dame fans out there, I wish I could say yes. And I do think he has improved. But you use the word significant. I don't think it's been significant improvement. He looks like a guy who has started three games in his career and as a freshman was basically only used in a gimmicky package and and now is in – an entirely new offense with Jerry Parker leading it as opposed to Tommy Reese. He has had his moments of, ooh, what was that, Tyler, in spring practice. It's just that Sam Hartman has had more of those. So I would say this. When we went into this thing, we thought Sam Hartman was going to be leaps and bounds ahead of Tyler Buckner. That hasn't been the case, so you drop him down a few pegs from there. And, yes, Tyler Buckner has played a little bit better than he did, than he showed, especially against Marshall. And then, like you said, against South Carolina, even when he turned the ball over three times. For the most part, he's been better than that. He has not turned the ball over in any of these practices that we've seen. He has not thrown an interception. Sam Hartman has thrown a couple. So I do think you move him up a couple pegs. And that's where you kind of meet in the middle. And even kind of Tyler Buckner gets by Sam Hartman in a way. If you drop Hartman down a couple, you bring Buckner up a couple and say, all right, they're even. Now let's really look at this on a deeper level. Buckner hasn't thrown the picks. Buckner's accounted for a few touchdowns. And this is all just based on what we've seen in, in four hours' worth of practices the last couple of weeks. That, that's where I make the leap to say, yes, Tyler Buckner has been the better quarterback this spring. And I think if you ask a lot of the people on the beat who you know very well and can have the conversations on the side, I think they would say the same exact thing as me. Hmm. Very interesting. So I guess April 22nd, we could have one quarterback on the blue and the other on the goal. Let's have some fun. Hey, we'll take that yeah. a little little drama in the blue goal game. He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, blue and gold illustrated blue and gold dot com. Do you think the coaching staff has learned anything about Jabran Payne at all with Logan Diggins, Logan Diggs being out for a couple of weeks and Payne getting kind of a bigger role in the spring. Do you think the coaching staff has learned some things about him, and has he taken advantage of the opportunity? I think so. I'll start right there with that second point. I've been very impressed. Uh, you go back to April 1st, which is the first time we got to watch a full practice, and he had the best play of that practice. It was a 50-yard run that he cut up the left sideline that set up a touchdown. And then today, there weren't any really big, long runs, but I looked at my colleague Patrick Engel a couple times and said, hey, if this was a real game, and they were tackling to the ground instead of just saying, all right, let's call it dead here and, and go from there. I think there were a couple plays today where Jerron Payne probably would have had a seven-yard run here, a 10-yard run here. And I think that's just what the Notre – and we'll go to the first part of your question. That's what the Notre Dame coaching staff has learned about this guy. He's gotten a little bigger. I think he's added some explosiveness and some speed. He's probably been training with Audric Estime, who has done the same exact thing. I think Audric Estime looks like the best version of himself. And what the Notre Dame coaching staff has learned that they have a guy behind Audric Estime and behind Logan Diggs. And even if Chris Tyree was still in that running back room, which it, it appears that he's not, I don't think he's going to be going back there. Even behind Tyree, a guy in Jabron Payne, who this is exactly what running backs coach Dylan McCullough said when he talked to us last week, is that 
they wanted to find out if Jabron Payne is a guy that can be dependable, counted on. He can get the extra yard. He can make catches out of the backfield. He can do all the things that a pure running back is, is supposed to do. And that's what they've learned about him. That the answer is yes. And it's been great for Payne to get these reps because for Diggs, it doesn't sound like his injury is very significant. We actually saw him in pads today. He didn't go through the full competitive parts of the practices. They're, they're trying to um, limp him back into practices and just sort of ease him back into things. But that was another opportunity today for Payne to kind of show, hey, if I was a number two or even if by some circumstance I was a number one, I could be that number one guy for you. And that's definitely what the coaching staff has come to find out. Tyler, based on what you have witnessed so far in spring practice and comments you've gotten from the coaching staff, is there a player on the offensive side of the football that has improved their standing on that side of the ball more than anybody else? I would have to say it's Tobias Merriweather. And we've yet to talk to the wide receivers. I think that's coming next week before Mm -hmm. the Blue Bowl game. But this is just based on what I've seen, and I guess I've heard through the grapevines as well. When you have a guy who, and I know the concussion kind of derailed things for him in the last couple months of last season, but we're still talking about a guy who only caught one pass last year, who is consistently showing up as basically a starter in these practices. I mean, when the wide receivers go out there to catch passes from the quarterbacks, whether it's seven on seven, 11 on 11, or even just those like routes on air concepts where all four quarterbacks are throwing to four different targets at the same time. Tobias Merriweather has been at the front of the line as one of the top three wide receivers every single time. It's him and a couple of juniors in Deion Colsey and Jaden Thomas. And we all saw the leaps that those guys made in the last couple months of last year. I think they're going to be really good players for Notre Dame this fall. So if you put Tobias Merriweather in the conversation with those guys, based on where he was last year as a guy who only caught one pass and really for the first half of the season, even when he was healthy before that concussion, couldn't even get on the field for whatever reason that was. I think he has just improved tremendously in the last six months. And you're going to see the guy that everyone was so excited about because of the length, the athleticism, and the way that he can get down the field and catch passes. How about on the defensive side of the football? Is there someone that has stood out to the point that he's really improved his standing on that side of the ball? Yeah, um, it's going to be another guy who's a little bit older than Tobias Merriweather, but someone who is kind of in that same situation where, for whatever reasons, he just could not get on the field, and that was Jason Anye. We're seeing a, a defensive tackle in Jason Anye who is, is quick, but he's also strong. He's tough for those guys in the interior of the Notre Dame offensive line to block. seems like every time you're looking up, you see his number kind of squirting through the offensive line and tackling running backs in the backfield or pressuring quarterbacks in these seven on, or, uh, excuse me, 11 on 11 situations. And again, we're talking about a guy who didn't even come up in the conversations when you're talking about playing time at defensive tackle last year. I mean, Jacob Lacey leads the team in the middle of the season and nobody was running to say, Oh yeah, Jason Anye, that's the guy who's going to fill that role. And it didn't happen. But now just six, seven months later, you're talking about a guy who with Howard Cross still on the team and some of these other guys in the middle, Tyson Ford, taking a big step, Gabriel Rubio taking a big step. Jason Anye is firmly in the conversation with those guys in a way that he wasn't last year. So I think Notre Dame fans are going to be really pleased with his improvements. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, talking Notre Dame football spring practice. I'm not sure if today you had this opportunity, but 
if you've had the chance to watch ones versus ones, offense have the advantage, defense have the advantage, how would you analyze it? I would say the defense has the advantage, and that's just because things have looked a little sloppier offensively. We've spent the majority of this conversation talking about Sam Hartman. I just haven't seen what I expected to see from Sam Hartman, and today he pretty much exclusively ran with the twos, so I guess we shouldn't even be talking about him in this situation in the context of the ones, but but even today when Tyler Buckner was running with the ones, you didn't see much flash, much flair. Maybe they're dumbing these things down for us, and they're probably going to dumb it down for people who want to see something really excited in the blue, exciting in the blue goal game too. We have to take that into consideration. But when you're just talking dumbed down versions of what both the offense and defense are trying to do, I think it's been a little tougher for the offense to move the ball because you can dumb things down, and if you execute, you could still be able to move the ball. That hasn't really been the case. So. And I think that's generally the case in practices, though, where the defense just just to the naked eye, to, to the 27-year-old reporter who's sitting there on the sideline, the defense has shown up a little bit more. Uh, they've made some of those turnover plays. Like today we saw a walk-on uh, intercept Sam Hartman. And, again, that was with the twos. But Isaiah Dunn is a walk-on cornerback. And Sam Hartman was looking for Lorenzo Styles in the back corner of the end zone. And – it resulted in an interception. I mean, Sam Hartman, Lorenzo Styles, those are names that you thought were going to make an impact for Notre Dame in the fall of 2023. And if they're being picked off in a spring practice in the middle of April, I think you've got to give the edge to the Notre Dame defense because it seems like more and more of those plays are going the, de- the defensive way as opposed to the offenses. Hmm. Interesting. We're almost through spring practice is there a position group that you are most concerned about in terms of their depth? Yeah, I just spent a couple of minutes talking up Jason Anye, <laughs> but I'm going to say it's the, I'm going to say it's the defensive line, and that's just because we talked we talked to Al Washington today actually, and it's just they're in a situation where you've got to prove it to me, you've got to prove it to 77,000 people inside Notre Dame Stadium, you got to prove it to the millions of people watching across the country that. You can lose a guy like Isaiah Fossey, the Adam Alola twins. I thought Chris Smith was awesome in the middle of the Notre Dame defensive line, that defensive tackle. You've you got to prove that you can lose guys like that and bring in guys like Javante Jean-Baptiste from Ohio State and then just developing the Jason Anyes, the Gabriel Rubios, the Riley Mills even, Nano Safamenta. You've got to prove it to me that – this can be a really good defensive line, and Marcus Freeman has said time and time again that everything needs to start start up front on both sides of the ball, offensive line, defensive line. you got to prove it to me that these guys can get it done because I thought this is a unit that underperformed a little bit last season with all of those names that I just mentioned. Now that you're losing them and you're kind of working with the same cast of characters who were backing those guys up, show me the development. Show me the improvements. Show me that, like Al Washington said today, you can, be, you can be a little bit talented, but also tough. And if, if toughness has to make up for talent, a little bit of a talent gap, then so be it. You know what they say about talent and working hard and all of those things. Work a little harder if you don't have all of these top-tier names, the Isaiah Foskis who's about to get drafted in the NFL draft. You don't have those guys? Prove it to me that you can still be a really good defensive line. Two-part questions. We start to wrap things up here with Tyler Horka. Number one, 
Have you started negotiating with Blue and Gold to go to Paris to cover the Notre Dame women's basketball game against South Carolina November the 6th? What a season opener going to Paris. And second of yeah. all, your thoughts on this particular matchup? Well, I'm still in the process of negotiating going to Ireland, and I think it's going to happen <laughs> for everyone that, that follows my work. I Maybe you can get a discount stop. by, you know, doing two trips at the same time. Yeah, a little overseas special, two for one or, <laughs> or something like that. I, I would take that in a heartbeat. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what what an event that is going to be. Uh, I hope I get to be there. Everyone that is going to be there or just watching on TV and just kind of following the social media aspect that goes along with it. You've got Notre Dame. You've got South Carolina. Two really awesome – I wouldn't say Don Staley is up and coming, but two – Coaches who have just been through it all in terms of women's basketball, excellent players, excellent coaches, Neil Ivey and Don Staley. Uh, they've both won diff, uh, national championships in different capacities. Obviously, South Carolina has a couple in the last uh, five, six years, but Notre Dame has one going back to Neil Ivey's time as a player and then one at her time as an assistant coach five years ago. So just so much mystique that goes with all of these, these two programs. And to be able to play an overseas game in Paris, I, I think – Neil Ivey said it best in her statement today. Women's basketball has so much momentum. It's really cool to see, and this is just another one of those things that's going to draw more eyes on the sport. Mm. It's very, very cool. I mean, one thing about Notre Dame, you get a great education, you play high-level sports, but also they take you places that most colleges Mm -hmm. don't take you to. I mean, look at football, what they have done, and now the women's basketball team. It just... It's going to elevate women's basketball, which is great, but this is just another feather in the cap of Neil Ivey and the Irish women's basketball team. Not that they need any more help in recruiting, but, hey, this is just something else. You can say, hey, you never know where we may go next. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Notre Dame is in the market for a post player with Lauren Ebo leaving the team, and they're kind of being a void there. What's Neil Ivey's pitch to some of these posts who might be entering the transfer portal? Hey, uh, by the way, we're playing probably <laughs> – the best program in the last couple seasons in Paris, France, to start the season. Why would you not want to be a part of that? Mm. Awesome. So are you ready for the Stanley Cup playoffs? I know you're a Dallas Star fan. We've got the best month of the year, you could argue, coming up with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, it feels like the playoffs have already started. I mean, the Stars clinched uh, about this time last week, but I'll be watching them play the St. Louis Blues tonight and hopefully – watching Colorado lose one of their next two regular season games. So the Stars could clinch a a Central Division title for only the second time in the last 15 years, I want to say. So once that calendar flips to April, I am all in on hockey. And I was actually listening to a hockey podcast just the other day. It's just so exciting when these playoffs fire up because you've got sometimes up to four games, four or five games a day, especially if it's a Saturday, you get to watch – 12 hours of hockey, it really Mm. does feel like the NHL's version of March Madness. So, to me, definitely one of the best times of the year, April. All right, let's get more people signed up at blueandgold.com because spring practice continues, and we're going to have a football game in just a couple of months to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was sitting at the Hesburg Library today with my colleague Patrick Engel for about five hours just typing away about everything that I saw at Notre Dame's open practice today. So if you want to read all of that, and then obviously he has his version as well, go to blueandgold.com, sign up for only $29.99. You'll get access all the way through that football game that we mentioned coming up against Navy in Ireland. And 
I guess it's almost four months. Once April 26th hits, we'll be four months to the day. So the, the summer always flies by, and once August comes around, you won't want to be anywhere other than blueandgold.com because we cover Notre Dame football like nobody else. Very good. Tyler, thank you so much for the visit. Really appreciate your opinions. Again, the Buckner-Hartman situation is going to be, I guess, more intriguing than any of us ever could have imagined. And we'll, of course, keep following your opinions at blueandgold.com, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I can't wait for uh, an entire summer worth of a quarterback competition, just like everybody expected. That's right. (laughs) Hey, Tyler, have a good evening. We'll talk to you soon. All right, you too. Thanks, Terry. There you go. Tyler Horka does great work at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. If you're not a subscriber, check it out. They do amazing work covering Fighting Irish Athletics, in particular Notre Dame football and Notre Dame football recruiting. we got to take a break. we got a little sizzler, some sports wagering talk to get to coming up next. Then South Bend Cubs baseball comes your way. And about 15 minutes on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 